Hi, my name is Paul Grogan and welcome to episode 34 of the all new Gaming Rules podcast. This episode is an audio version of the monthly video log that went live at the start of December 2022. As always, a huge thank you to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. And if you want to support the channel directly, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. Now on with the show. My name is Paul Grogan. Welcome to the Gaming Rules Monthly Video Log for December 2022. This is the last one for 2022. I do have some other content to create before the end of the year, but this is the last video log. So I'll be talking about all of the games that I've played uh, in, since the last video log, which was... Uh, so this video log is going to cover a period from the 8th of November right through to yesterday, which is the 7th of December. Uh, and then I'll be back in the new year with the January video log, which will contain everything that I've done in December. Um, so as always, I'll be talking about all of the games that I've played, give you a Patreon update, talk about what's coming new to the channel uh, and various other things like that. As always, a big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters. Uh, this video is not sponsored in any way. I've basically taken today off work in order to create this video uh, and that's only possible with the support of the Patreon campaign. So a big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters. And if you're not a Patreon supporter, but you want to support the channel directly and help me carry on making more videos like this and various other videos, uh, you can become one of my Patreon supporters at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. More on the Patreon update later on. Right, so this video log, as I said, at the start, I'm going to talk about all of the games that I've been playing, which is what most of you are here to, to hear or see. Um, and what I'm going to do this time is I'm actually going to separate it. So I'm going to go chronologically with all of the games that I played physically in person with another player or digitally online with another player. But then I'm going to cover all of the games that I've played on Board Game Arena because this has been a little bit of an odd month. When I was pulling up the list of all of the games that I've played over the last four weeks, I was like, wait a minute, there's a big gap here. There doesn't appear to be many games. And there's a huge gap of like eight to 10 days at the start of the month. I'm like, why is there a big gap where I didn't? Oh yeah, Gridcom. Um, so I hosted my own convention uh, at the start of uh, November. Uh, and basically that was, you know, very little uh, game playing in the in the lead up to it. No game playing afterwards. And then I was ill straight afterwards. So yeah, no game playing for quite a while. Um, and this month's video log would have actually been quite short. I didn't actually cover that many. I didn't actually play that many games in person with other people. Um, so I am going to talk about the games that I've been playing on Board Game Arena because I've been doing a lot of that recently as well. Okay, so let's jump in and talk about the games that I've been playing in person. The first one is the 18th of November. And this was... Fire and Stone, 1863, Siege of Vienna. Now, Capstone Games had new, two new games that came out at Essen this year. They had Fire and Stone, and they also had Rise. I brought review copies back of both of those games, and I was in discussion with Clay about whether he wanted to sponsor uh, any of those videos to cover on the channel. Uh, and I spoke to my patron supporters, and I said, out of these two, which one would you like to see? And Fire and Stone was the one that more people were interested in. So I went back to Clay, and I said, look, I'm interested in covering, the, covering this one. First of all, it's a card-driven war game. Now, I've played a few card-driven war games in the past, um, or just generally card-driven games, like Watergate, for example, also by Capstone Games. I'll talk about that in a minute as well. So I'm actually quite interested in that, but also from a historical perspective. I have no idea what happened in Vienna in 1683. And apologies if I said 1863, I meant 1683, because um, my knowledge of history is not that great. So I'm always interested in playing some kind of historical game in order to learn a little bit more about the actual history. Um, so we played this game. It was a sponsored video, uh, video. It was covered on the channel. It's a little bit confusing because 
Pegasus Spiel also released a game called Fire and Stone this year. So when you search Board Game Geek for Fire and Stone, that's the first one that comes up. Anyway, what can I tell you about this game? Well, it's two player only. Uh, there's no options for playing solo. There's no options for playing multiplayer. It's purely just a two player game. Uh, and because it is historical and it's set on the Siege of Vienna, um, where you've got the Ottomans attacking the Habsburgs, there is no variability in the setup. It is a very fixed setup with these units go here, these units go here, those, those go there. There's a little bit of randomness in terms of the cards that you get uh, at the start of the game, but otherwise the setup is fixed. There is rich, literally just one scenario and there's no like difficulty settings or, or anything like that. What you get in the game is what you get. Now, I'm not saying that's a problem, but these days we're getting so used to here's multiple maps, here's multiple configurations, here's multiple this, here's multiple that, here's solo rules, here's everything else. This game just has uh, the bare basics of a two-player card-driven war game. Now, I enjoyed the game, uh, but I do have some thoughts on it myself. And as I mentioned in a couple of months ago, uh, I'm starting to use these video logs to, to, to speak a little bit more freely about the game and be a bit more... Uh, honest and critical because that was a sponsored playthrough video. So I'm not going to start highlighting any concerns that I have in the middle of a sponsored video. That that would be wrong. But I'm actually going to talk a little bit about it now. So I enjoyed the game and me and Robert played it in the afternoon and then we played it again in the evening. For a start, there is dice rolling in it. Now, that's just the nature of games like this. I'm not saying that's a problem as such. Uh, but if you're a hardcore Euro gamer and you're looking for a card-driven war game with a low level of randomness, Whilst a lot of people might say, well, you're rolling so many dice that the randomness will average out. And to be honest, most of the time it probably should, but sometimes it, it doesn't. Um, so you are rolling dice for combat uh, in, in, in some areas. There are other areas where you're using the cards instead, but the, the, the dice for the combat is when you fire the cannons and see what you hit. That can be a little bit random. The two big concerns that I had about the game, first of all, uh, the rulebook that was included in the game. Clay gave me a review copy of the game at Essenspiel. There were issues with the rulebook. Now, they've since fixed those rulebook issues and they've released a, a new version of the rulebook digitally online, but that was never mentioned to me. So I had some difficulty in learning the game um, because there's definite issues with the rulebook in places. And if you do get the game, if you're interested in the game, make sure you get the, the latest version uh, online. There's still a couple of errors with that one, unfortunately, but some of the biggest errors that I found in the rulebook, like rules that were missing, not telling you what to do, uh, those were actually answered uh, in, the, in the new version. The other, the other problem that I had with the game, and I have fed this back to both the designer and Clay, is that the card text wasn't clear enough. Uh, now, when we did the playthrough video, we, we did our best, but what, what I'd spent the day doing is playing through the game, practicing playing the game, reading through the cards, and we had so many questions. And thankfully, the designer was on hand that day to answer all of the questions that we had about, well, what, was the, what does this card do? This doesn't actually make any sense, and this doesn't fit with that. So there's definitely some issues there, and I have fed that back, and I hope they, um, you know, I, I've, I've sent them a big document of all of the things that, uh, that I think are needed in it, uh, and I've said, you need to publish some official FAQ or errata for this, because people are gonna have lots of questions. That aside, as I say, I did enjoy the game. I'm not sure that I would play the game uh, repeatedly, just because, as I say, whilst you do have the variability in setup from the cards that you get, and there are some interesting tactical choices in the game, I didn't feel that there was that uh, there was enough depth to keep me going back to that game multiple times. It was nice to play, and I'd probably play it another couple of times, 
but I'd be looking for something uh, a little bit more in my my games of that genre. Anyway, the game didn't take that long, and Robert was here for the evening. So, in the afternoon, I'd been speaking to Robert about Watergate, and I said, Watergate is a fantastic card-driven game, not necessarily a war game, although some people might class it as such, um, but it's also by Capstone Games. And have you ever played Watergate? And Robert said, no, I've never played Watergate. So after the streams that we did of Fire and Stone, we dug out Watergate. And Watergate is fantastic. Watergate is an amazing game. Really, really good. Uh, also by Capstone Games. Rulebook is absolutely fine. Card text is absolutely fine. I can't recommend Watergate enough. Obviously, uh, it's based on the, the, the Watergate scandal that happened and around the time of, of Nixon and everything else. But the way that the game plays is just so good. Now, we played two games of it. I played Nixon uh, both games, and I won quite easily by getting my the red marker, momentum marker, uh, getting it to my end of the board, and I did that five times. And as we played, played it twice, we were like, well, hang on a minute, this is actually quite easy to do. Um, and we talked about it afterwards to see, oh, is, is there a balance issue in this game? I'm not sure. Now, I've played Watergate loads of times. I've probably played it about 10 times. And this was the only two games where I played it where I thought, well, I've won this quite easily. Maybe there is some kind of balance issue with the game. So I went on the Geek, had a look at it. Various other people have said something similar, but other people have said, no, 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 the, the journalist just needs to play in a, in a different way. They need to play more uh, aggressively to stop that happening. Uh, so I, I, I don't think there's a balance issue in the game. It was just, it was Robert's first games. He was learning it. Uh, and that is one way that you can win. Uh, if you're the Nixon player. But if you're watching this video and you have Watergate and you've played Watergate and you've got your own thoughts on it, let me know. Uh, do you think there's a balance issue in the game or, or, or not? There was one post that I read on a Facebook group from somebody who always plays uh, Nixon and he said his wife always beats him playing the journalist. He says he's so rubbish at the game, he just can never win if he's playing Nixon. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe maybe there is a, there is a way to do it. Anyway, let me know your thoughts on Watergate. Right, moving on. 23rd of November played Aeon's End Digital. So this wasn't a, an in-person game, but it kind of still classes as that. Uh, I got together with Jonathan Williams from the Hexy Beast. It was supposed to be four of us, uh, and we played Aeon's End Digital using the Steam Remote Play facility. Now the Steam Remote Play facility is absolutely fantastic. So Steam is the online gaming platform. Is it an online gaming platform? Well, it's, it's a tool that has lots and lots of games in it, but it's got this remote play option where both players don't even need a copy of the game. It only needs one person to have a copy of the game. Oh, hello, Loki. You come in to keep me company. So one person needs a copy of the game and then you can basically engage, enable this remote playability. And what it does is it shares all of your screen and stuff with the other player and you can give them control of the keyboard and the mouse and everything else. So what that means is that you can play games with friends that you own yourself with them playing as well. And for Aeon's End Digital, it works absolutely fine. However, <laughs> what we found is that I was going to play a four-player game. I thought, well, this is fine. I'll just use the four-player option. We'll play four-player uh, Aeon's End Digital using the remote play system, and it'll be absolutely fantastic. And as soon as I enabled the remote play system, the bandwidth that was used by my computer absolutely killed my internet. So I wasn't even able to go live. I was having all sorts of issues with YouTube. Uh, and this was all happening while we were actually trying to stream the game. Um, and we basically found, because uh, it was supposed to be four of us, it was supposed to be uh, me, uh, Johnny, Brett, and Willem. 
and we ended up uh, Brett volunteered to leave, so Brett Brett left, and it was three of us. And then it got a little bit better for a bit, and then it died again. So then Willem left, and it was just me and Johnny, and then it, it just about worked. So just bear in mind, if you are a streamer and you're going to be playing games using the stream uh, the Steam Remote Play facility. Um, it absolutely hogs the bandwidth and you really can't do it. So it's not something I want to do again. Anyway, onto the game. I've spoken about Aeon's End many, many times before. Aeon's End is one of my favourite games. I absolutely love the game. And the digital version by Handelabra Games is absolutely fantastic. So that's on the channel now if you want to see it. I mean, in fact, I've covered Aeon's End quite a bit. Um, absolutely love the game. And as I mentioned in the video, one of the best parts of Aeon's End is the fact that um, unlike... Dominion, for example, which is a deck builder game where you have a supply. And in Dominion, you're supposed to randomly choose the supply. Well, in this, you can randomly choose the supply. But one of the great things about the game is that you decide which nemesis you're going to be fighting. And then you choose which character you want to use. And you choose what cards are in the supply. And you can basically customize the game to say, right, we're going to be fighting against this one. Therefore, we need this card and this card and this card. We didn't do that because we don't know the game well enough. So we went with a random set of cards and yeah, we died horribly, um, but it was quite a difficult nemesis. And I think one of the things that I'd love to do with Aeon's End, if I had the time, is to actually play multiple games against the same nemesis and say, right, okay, we played against the nemesis. What was the problem? Oh, it kept spawning these little maggot tokens that all, right. Okay, so what we need is we need spells that deal not big amounts of damage but we need spells that deal one damage to multiple sources oh, oh there's an artifact here Let, let's have that artifact and basically you play the game multiple times you customize the supply each time you play and you adopt different strategies based on the enemy that you're facing massive amount of replayability huge number of characters available the physical game i've only got up to wave three but this game is still alive this game has got so much content coming out for it and it's absolutely fantastic so i, I love aeon's end and the digital adaptation is is very good right next up is the 25th of november we did pole position pole position is a new formula one racing game it's actually on kickstarter right now so if you're watching this video sort of within a couple of weeks of me recording it and you're interested it's on Kickstarter right now. Pole Position is, as I say, a Formula One themed game. It's by a Spanish company called Do It Games. They contacted me a couple of months ago uh, and asked if I would like to do some coverage for the game uh, in order to help their Kickstarter campaign. Now, I'm a huge Formula One fan and I've been on the lookout for a proper Formula One racing game. And I've tried so many over the years. Uh, I've tried Formula D, I've tried Formula Race 90, um, I've tried Championship Formula Racing. There's probably quite a few. There's probably a few other ones that I've tried as well. And apart from Championship Formula Racing, which I, I think is really good, all of the rest of them I had various issues with. But they sold this game to me in that it's based on modern Formula One. So it's got qualifying split into Q1, Q2, Q3. It's got the different type of tyres. It's got changeable weather. It's got DRS. It's got all of those things that make up modern Formula One. So I agreed to do a video for them. It is a sponsored video, but I do try and be a bit selective of the kind of games that I cover on the channel. Um, and yeah, we covered it. We, we sat there and we learnt it one day and then we did the live stream in the evening. So that is on the channel now. If you want to see uh, us playing through pole position, that's on the channel now. Uh, and as I say, it's on Kickstarter, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. It's on Kickstarter right now as well, if you want to go uh, and watch that now. What I will say about the game is that, yes, it does have a lot of modern Formula One elements in there, um, but the version that we played 
uh, I have fed back to them and I said, I, th I think the game still needs some tweaks and developments. Um, there are a few things about the game which for us just didn't feel quite right and didn't really work right. I fed that back to the publisher. The publisher has fed that back to the designer and I'm now leaving it with them. And I will be absolutely honest with you now. If the game that comes out is the same game as the, uh, as we played, then I, I wouldn't play it again. Because those issues that were highlighted in our game were, were sufficient enough to stop me playing the game in future. Um, and that might sound very, very bad and very, very critical, but the, the, the whole idea of a game that goes on Kickstarter, generally speaking, is that they're going on Kickstarter to get the funding to continue to work on the game. Um, and if they continue to work on the game and they take on my feedback and they take on other people's feedback and they make tweaks to the game to make it better, then great, we might end up with the best Formula One racing game that there is. Um, so if you're interested, you know, definitely go and check out the Kickstarter and, and, and see what that's about. The one, the one particular thing, I mean, there were a few things in the game that were a bit quirky, but the one thing that happened in our game is it started raining and we were just at the start of the lap. The weather took, there was a random event card and the weather shifted and it started to rain quicker than anybody expected it because we knew the rain was coming and that part of the game is absolutely fantastic. That's the best system I've ever seen for weather changing in a game. You can see it coming, but then depending on dice rolls and stuff, it might come earlier, it might not. Anyway, we got we got a random event card that meant suddenly the weather changed. Um, and that was exciting and it was tense. And we were on the track on non-wet tyres. Now, if you're a Formula One fan or just, you know, common sense, if you are driving around a wet track and you don't have wet tyres on, you're going to be skidding all over the place. So what happens in actual Formula One, if this happens is that people really, really slow down and then they try and come into the pits and they change for wet tyres. And that, in my opinion, that's what the game should recreate. It should have drivers having to slow down while they're on the wrong tyres uh, and then come into the pits and change them. But you shouldn't be able to just slow down to an amount where I'll just, okay, I'll just go around slowly. There should still be a chance of spinning off. Now, in the game itself, there is not the option to do that. Basically, if you're on the, the soft tires, the red tires, you roll this dice to see how far you move. And the red dice, which is what you roll if you're on soft tires, has a nine, two tens, two elevens, and a 12 on it. And that's how many spaces you move. But if it's raining and you roll more than an eight, you spin off. So in other words, <laughs> if you're on soft tires and it's raining, you roll the dice and you will spin off. And it was like, but I don't, I, I wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't be driving around at full speed on soft tires. So well, anyway, as I said, without going into too many details, there was a number of situations like that, which as I say, I fed back to them. And I hope as publishers and designers and developers, they look at the feedback that I've given them uh, and, they, and they come up with a great, a, a great racing game. So we will see that's pole position. We played it twice that day. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the final version of the game. Next up, 1st of December and the 2nd of December, Great Western Trail Argentina. Finally, I got round to playing it. Now, Great Western Trail is one of my favourite games of all time. It's probably a top 10 game, maybe a top 20 game. I just think Great Western Trail is an absolute modern classic game and absolutely fantastic. They announced a year or so ago that they were going to be doing three new games, uh, Great Western Trail 2nd Edition. Great Western Trail Argentina and Great Western Trail New Zealand. So Great Western Trail 2nd Edition came out last year. 
Great Western Trail Argentina came out this year and Great Western Trail New Zealand is out next year. So I picked up a copy of Great Western Trail Argentina. In fact, Plan B Games uh, sent it to me just before Essenspiel. So thank you very much to Plan B Games for sending me, uh, sending that to me. Um, and I finally got around to trying it. I learned how to play it on the Thursday. I played it at the Games Club on the Thursday night. We didn't quite get the game finished because there was four of us playing. None of us had played Argentina before and it was a little bit slow. But then on the Friday, and this video is on the channel now if you want to see it. And this was not a sponsored video. So Great Western Trail Argentina, we did a, a, a three-player playthrough on the channel on the, when was it? First, uh, 2nd of December. Uh, and we talk about the game at the end. So if you want to hear mine, Peter's and Rob's detailed thoughts on Great Western Trail Argentina, go to the great go to the playthrough that I did on the 2nd of December, skip to the end of the video and you'll get our final thoughts. There should be a timestamp on there uh, for that. But I'll summarise it for you now. Um, it's a more complex version of Great Western Trail. Is it a better version of Great Western Trail? I'm going to say no. And this is after my two plays. It is not, oh my God, this is so much better than Great Western Trail. Why would I ever play the base game again? It's not that. It's different. Uh, first of all, it's more complex. It's a bit more complex, maybe 10% more, maybe 15% more. I'm not sure. The thing is, I've played Great Western Trail so many times. I know the rules for the base game well. So when I was learning all of the extra rules, I was thinking, well, this is definitely a whole bunch of extra rules, but how much different is there? So I'm going to say 10, 15% different. But Great Western Trail is already a heavy game. So Great Western Trail Argentina is adding a bit more complexity to that. You would not want to play Great Western Trail Argentina with people who haven't played Great Western Trail before, in my opinion. You know, there are some people out there who would be absolutely fine with it. But there are, a, there are a number of very key differences that make you play the game differently. First of all, uh, the way that the train moves around the track is exactly the same. But you no longer, when you're making deliveries, you don't have to pay the difference between how far away the city is and where your train is. In fact, the location of your train has no difference at all on where you make deliveries because you're making deliveries to boats. And in order to make a delivery to a boat, you need to pay grain, which is a new type of resource. And if you don't have the grain, you can pay money instead. Right. But so what does the train do? Well, big change with this game is the train actually makes your route shorter. So the more you progress your train around the board, uh, the, 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 the shorter it is for your estanciero uh, to, to actually come off. So, you know, you normally start at the start place and you go all the way to Kansas City. Well, you start at the start space, and as soon as you get to the place that's near your train, you can move off the main route onto the train and come back early. Uh, so that's that's quite a big change. Um, the bandits have changed for farmers. They are very, very different. When you pay them, the money goes on the board, and then you have to help them by using your uh, scythe points or your sickle points, which is strength points. So basically, you're helping out the farmers till their fields or whatever. Um, you're having to use your own cows, so you get exhaustion cards in your deck and things like that. Yeah, the, there's a whole bunch of extra stuff. I did enjoy it, and if you gave me the choice right now of which one would I play, I'd play Great Western Trail Argentina right now because it's new and I want to play it a bit more. After I've played it probably about five or six times, I think I would probably lean towards the original Great Western Trail or at least the second edition, um, but I need to play it a bit more. So that's my initial thoughts on Great Western Trail Argentina. Also, on that Friday, the 2nd of December, and this is another playthrough that's on the channel, and it's another playthrough which is not sponsored, uh, and this is Revive. Revive was my number one game 
or my number one Euro style game from Essen, which I wanted to play. I'd heard so many good things about this. Uh, and I was massively looking forward to it. It's by a Porter Games. A Porter Games gave me a review copy of the game at Essen Spiel, and I brought it back. And finally, I got round to playing it. JP came over in the afternoon and taught me, Rob, and Peter how to play. So we did a four-player game of Revive. And as I say, it's on the channel now. And like Great Western Trail Argentina, this was not a sponsored video, which means if you want to skip to the end of that video, we all talk about the game and we talk about, uh, yeah, how much we liked it. In summary, we all loved it. It was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Uh, it's quite a complex game. I would say probably medium to heavy. There's quite a lot of things going on and there's a lot of interconnecting things that you need to, you need to match up. Things that are moving on tracks that unlock other benefits. Um, but the game has a really nice flow to it. So at the start of the game, you've got very limited options because your own player board is like a machine with a load of abilities that you unlock and you don't start with any of them. But as the game goes on, you start moving your three counters on your machine track, you start unlocking these, these extra powers that give you the ability to start doing all sorts of extra stuff. So yeah, it's got a really nice curve to the game. Uh, the, the complexity of the game, the weight ratio of the game is perfect for me, sort of medium to heavy, maybe medium heavy heavy, touching on the, on the heavier side of medium to heavy, um, but really, really enjoyed it. Graphic design was really good. Uh, the rules were very clear. I think the rules were very clear. JP said that there was no issue with them, but he taught the game well. Uh, and yeah, we all really enjoyed the game. I definitely want to play it a lot more. My only concern with the game, and this could have been, this is based on my one play. I won by a bazillion points, like really, really like huge amount of points more than anybody else. And that wasn't down to really my skill. I, d I don't think it was down to the fact that I had a faction that allowed me to um, spend food to get additional cards. That was my special ability that I could do a number of times during the game. I then had an endgame scoring card that gave me points for extra cards. And of the four global scoring conditions that came out at the start of the game in the corners of the board, one of them was for having loads of cards. So basically, I was like, and I didn't actually realise this. Everybody thought, oh, Paul's played really well. He's, he's, he's planned this from the start of the game. I'm like, no, 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 I haven't. I realised this halfway through when I actually realised what it was. But basically, um, yeah, I, I just milked that. I collected loads of cards. I had an endgame scoring card that gave me points for extra cards. And I went to this city at the edge uh, of the map, which got me extra points for cards. So, yeah, and, and that could have been, as I say, I'm not saying the game is unbalanced or the game is broken. All I'm saying is we played our first game once and I won by a country mile because I managed to put all of these things together. I have confidence in the design team and the developers and the publisher that the game is not just completely unbalanced. It's just that I managed to get a combination of things that worked quite well. And for a first game, when we're all learning the game, that worked well. I absolutely want to play this game again. It was everything that I wanted it to be in a game. Uh, and yeah, that that's Revive. Speaking of graphic design, I just want to go back and mention one thing with Great Western Trail Argentina. There is a massive graphic design issue with the game. Now, overall, the graphic design for Great Western Trail Argentina is really good. The iconography is very clear. What it does is very clear. But this is really, really bothering me because there are three ports in the game. There's La Havre, there's Liverpool, there's Rotterdam. 
and the iconography to identify which of those ports, it's the same icon, it's an, it's an anchor, and in one of them it's brown, in one of them it's black, and in one of them it's sort of dark silver or grey. It's awful. It's really, really hard. And I don't know, I, I don't understand it. In a game where the graphic design everywhere else is so good, to have the graphic design of those just really bad, because it's referred to on various places. You've got ships and you've got other icons that have got this anchor symbol and you've got to look at it and you go, is that grey? Is it is it black? Is it brown? And it's quite hard to tell apart. Um, but anyway, yeah, just I forgot to mention that earlier on. Anyway, Revive is fantastic. Right, next up, 3rd of December, Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-earth, chapter three, yes. So uh, me, Vicky, Mark and Sally are meeting up uh, on an irregular basis uh, and we're playing through the first campaign of Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-earth. A game that I've spoken about quite a bit in the past. Absolutely love the game. I think it's fantastic. I get all of the criticisms against it, that it is a bit repetitive and it is a bit boring, but we're all really enjoying it. And the campaign's really good. And the six campaigns for the game, and I've played through the first one in full on the channel, but I'm playing through the first one again. Um, yeah, and that, that's really good. So we're still really enjoying Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-earth. The downside of it is when I played through the first campaign, I only had the core set. And I've painted all of the miniatures from the Corsair. Well, I've, I've, not all the characters. I've painted, I've painted the two characters that I was using, Legolas and Gimli, and I've painted all of the bad guys. But now that I've got all of the expansion sets, I'm using them as well. So what's really, really good about the app is that you can play a base campaign scenario, the campaign that came with the base game, and you can say, but I own these expansions. And what it will do is it will generate a random map each time you play using some of the new map tiles. So it's a lot more varied and it will throw in a lot of the new monsters as well. And unfortunately it's throwing in lots and lots of new monsters and I haven't painted them yet. So yeah, I've got, I need, I need to, I need to get back onto uh, painting. <laughs> painting those anyway, because I am doing some painting at the moment, just not the Lord of the Rings miniatures. I need to get back to that. Right, that's it. That's, that's it for all of the games that I played in person. As I say, that's not that many. Excuse me, right. Board Game Arena. Board Game Arena is one of the online gaming platforms that I use. It's probably the one that I use the most now. Uh, I've got a premium membership, it's well worth it, and I'm playing lots of games on there that are really, really good. And Board Game Arena is giving me the ability to play more games than I would normally, but in a non-intrusive way, because I'm playing them asynchronously. I'm not playing them live, I'm not sitting there for like two hours playing a game with people. I'm basically doing my turn in a morning or at lunchtime or in an evening and then I'll get a message and it'll be like, oh, it's your turn again. Okay, I'll do my turn. Fantastic. And the implementations of the games on there, the new ones anyway, are really, really good. So games that I've been playing on Board Game Arena, Russian Railroads, been playing, uh, finished one game of that. I'm in another one at the moment. Caverna, I've played a few games of that. Uh, Solo, and I've played a couple of games of that with other people. Agricola is on there. Uh, I've played, again, a couple of solo games of that. Uh, and a game against some other people. Kingdom Builder, played a game of that. Uh, Splendor is on there, I played a game of that. Just lots of lots of great games on there. And there's a lot more on there that I want to play. I'm in the middle of a game of War Chest at the moment as well. Uh, a 2v2 team game of War Chest. Um, yeah, it, it's, ju it's just great. But I'm going to answer the question of Caverna or Agricola. So when Agricola came out, I was there. I was at Essenspiel the year it came out. It was only the German version that was available, and it was 35 euros, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, how times have changed. 
Um, and it was like, this is a new farming game. This looks fantastic. It's a big, heavy box. It's got loads of cards in it. Look at this. And it, it became the number one game on Board Game Geek. And it kind of was one of those groundbreaking games that changed the hobby. Um, and I got it and I got the German version and I helped other people on Board Game Geek put together sort of translations for the, for the cards. And I printed out all new cards for myself and I played it loads. Absolutely loved it. Um, and then Caverna came out and Caverna for me was just a better version of Agricola. Um, and I, and I know that I know this is a hot topic and I know a lot of people have their own thoughts on it, but these are my thoughts on it. Um, is that Caverna is just more fun to play. Now, I've not played Agricola for probably about eight years, maybe even more, but I've just got the 15th anniversary big box and that's given me a desire to go back and play it again. Because for the last eight years, I've been like, why would I ever play Agricola when I've got Caverna? But as I say, this new anniversary edition came out and I thought, I'll tell you what, I used to love playing Agricola. I really, really enjoyed it. Maybe I'll enjoy it if I go back to it. Now, I haven't yet played the physical version uh, of, the, of the new version that I've got, but I have been playing it on Board Game Arena. And in the last month, I've played three or four games of Caverna and three or four games of Agricola. And that's enough for me to be able to compare the two games. And basically, I, I, I stand by what I said <clears throat> all those years ago, and I've been saying for the last 10 years, is that, or however many years, Caverna is a better version of Agricola for me. And that is mainly because uh, I can have more fun. So in Agricola, you start off with no way to feed your family. You can get animals, you can get wheat, you can get, well, you can't really get vegetables at the start. Um, but you've no way of turning that into food. You have to get a cooking hearth or a fireplace or, or, or whatever, which means you need to be spending time collecting the resources to even then just build the oven that is going to allow you then to collect more resources to then convert them into food to feed your people. Now, you can do that because that, that is possible in the game. It's just you have to spend so much time and energy focusing on the bare minimum. In Caverna, straight away, automatically from the start of the game, all players have a way of converting resources into food. It is less tight. That doesn't mean that it isn't a good game. Um, there are people out there who want the extra tightness. They want the extra stress. They want all of that stuff. Fine. For them, Agricola is better. For me, I prefer to have fun. Now, it's not to say that Caverna isn't tight. It's not to say that Caverna is, oh, it's dead easy. You can feed your people, no problem. No, you can't. You still have to make an effort, but you have to make, it gives you more opportunities and more time to do cool, fun stuff, as well as feeding your people on the side. And in Agricola, I find it so focused on just the feeding the people and everything else. And also, uh, you know, it, it's normal worker placement rules. So there's one spot for renovating your house. Well, if somebody else takes that spot, it doesn't matter how much planning you've done. You know, you've collected the, the, the reeds, you've collected the brick, you've collected all of this. Oh, somebody's gone on that space. Right, I'm completely screwed. Your entire plan's screwed. Anyway, I know lots of people will disagree with me, but that's, that's where I am. I still want to play more games both, but I, I would always prefer Caverna. Right. That's all of the games that I've been playing. So let's talk about some other stuff. I mentioned Gridcon at the start of this video. Gridcon Gaming Rules in Devon, even though it's not in Devon anymore, is the convention that myself uh, and Vicky, my partner, we organise together. Uh, and that happens in November. 
each month. I've actually done a video on the channel if you're interested. If you are interested in knowing any more about GridCon and having a summary about it, uh, I've done a video, it's on the channel. Just go and have a look on the channel. A couple of weeks ago, I did a GridCon summary video where we talk about everything that happened at GridCon and gave a big thank you to all of the, uh, the sponsors of the show, the publishers that helped out, people who donated raffle prizes. We raised £4,500. It was actually £4,505 for charity. That's an astonishing amount of money to raise. We are at a small convention. It was 290 people organized by a little YouTube content creator in Somerset, and we raised four and a half thousand pounds. It was, I, yeah, I, I, I had a bit of a cry when, when we, when we did the final total. Um, it was, and thank you. A lot of people who were at GridCon will be watching this video and you donated and you made it possible. So thank you very, thank you very much. With that money is now gone. It has been given to the charities. It's been handed over. That's all been done. But as I say, if you want to know more about GridCon, check out the GridCon summary video. What I will say is that GridCon 4 is booked for November next year. November 17th to the 19th, 2023 are the dates for GridCon 4. We're probably going to be making tickets available to Patreon supporters around February time with a look to making them available to the public around March. So if you're one of my Patreon supporters, you do get early access to booking the tickets. And the reason for that is... I can't run GridCon without the help of my patron support. We do, we don't make, we don't run GridCon to make money. Uh, we don't really make enough money to cover our time with GridCon. We make enough money out of GridCon to make it worthwhile doing it, but we don't make enough money to cover all of the time that I have to put into doing it. So although GridCon is a board game convention and my Patreon campaign are two completely separate things, Without the support of the Patreon campaign, I wouldn't do GridCon. And that is the Patreon campaign gives me additional financial flexibility to take on less work to do other stuff. And some of that other stuff just happens to be GridCon. So as a, as a thank you to Patreon supporters, you get early access to booking the hotel rooms uh, and the tickets. It's not, uh, I don't do that in order to, to gain new Patreon supporters. That's not the reason I do it. I do it as a way of saying thank you to my Patreon supporters for helping make this possible. Here's a little perk that you get for doing it. Anyway, GridCon 4, November 17th to the 19th, 2023. Right, next up, Patreon update. Speaking of the Patreon. Um, so it's been a strange month. November was a bit of a strange month. We had 24 new people, which is always good. And we had 16 people leave, which is actually a net difference of eight, which is mo more than normal. The net difference each month tends to be about two or three, um, but yeah, we, we had plus eight people. However, what then happens is you get the start of the month, Patreon does its billing cycle, <clears throat> and I lose about 25 people. Uh, that's just the way it works. Patreon is unable to take money from people because their credit cards have been, uh, they've changed or they've expired or whatever. And unfortunately, the Patreon system of contacting, um, you know, people to say, your credit card has been declined. Please do something about it. They keep telling me that those emails are going out, but I speak to people who never got those emails. And unfortunately, the Patreon system, there's a problem with it over the last few months that they don't seem to acknowledge is that a lot of people have said to me, Paul, I keep trying to update my credit card with them. I've got a new credit card. There's nothing wrong with this card. And, pay, and Patreon is just not accepting these details. Anyway, what I'm saying is every month, I normally lose about 20 to 25 people due to just this gradual loss of people's cards expiring 
and some people not realising it uh, and not getting the notifications. But saying that, the current numbers of supporters, because we've actually had a good few days, actually, we've had a good week so far, uh, it's 840. So we're on 840 patron supporters, which is, let me just have a look, it's four up from the last time I did the video vlog. Um, and that might sound weird because I just said, well, hang on a minute, Paul, you got 24 new supporters in November and then you lost 16, so you're up eight. How are you actually only up four? It's because, as I say, all of this natural attrition due to Patreon issues or people's cards declining. Uh, but then some people have managed to fix that. And as I say, the last week has been really good. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a list on screen now. This is all of the new supporters who joined me in November, including three people who actually joined in November, but due to an administration error at this end, i.e. me making a mistake, I forgot to include them on the screen for October. So apologies uh, to you three. I've put your names on here. You joined in October uh, and, I, and I, I didn't put your names on screen then. So yeah, big thank you to all of these people that joined in November, but also a big thank you to everybody who stays with me uh, during these difficult times. If you are one of the people that's joined me in December, then your name will appear on, on next month's list. Right, what's coming up over the next few weeks? Well, it's a, I think it's a big month. And I, I, and I probably say this every month. I probably sit here and get all excited about everything that's coming up that I'm looking forward to. But there are some big things that I'm really looking forward to. First of all, the how to play video for Frosthaven is almost done. Isaac is checking it at the moment and a couple of other people are checking it uh, and I'm planning to finish that next week. So next week, uh, my main focus next week is going to be on the how to play video for Frosthaven. That's hopefully going to be coming out soon. In the background, I'm also going to be working on the how to play video for Frostpunk. Different game. Uh, that won't be ready this year. I'll probably still be working on that in January, um, but I'm making a start on that while I'm waiting for Isaac to check the Frosthaven video. Um, all other things, this week, uh, so I've got Friday, tomorrow, uh, probably today by the time you're seeing this video, Flamecraft. Flamecraft is one of the games which came out which I'm actually really looking forward to. Now, a lot of people have said to me, Paul, don't expect too much. This is a light, family-friendly game that is you know, nothing really new. It's get resources, convert resources into points. But there's something about Flamecraft that not only does it look gorgeous, but I'm like, I have a place for those kind of games. You know, the people who've said to me, if you accept this game as a lightish, maybe light to medium family weight game that's suitable for to play with, you know, not, not kids, but, you know, young adults or whatever, fine, I'm, I'm all right with that. And I'm going into the game knowing that. So I was already looking forward to trying it anyway, and Lucky Duck Games have kindly agreed to sponsor that video. So that's tomorrow. That will be happening Friday, the whatever tomorrow is. I don't know, I've lost track of time. Ninth? Um, yeah, I think it's the ninth. So yeah, Friday the ninth. And if you're watching this video log, or listening to this video log afterwards, then that will be on the channel now. Friday, 9th of December, tutorial and playthrough of Flamecraft. That's happening tomorrow. And as I say, I'm quite looking forward to this game. Then on Saturday, moving on from a sponsored video to non-sponsored videos, Saturday I'm having a games day. So on Saturday, 10th of December, I'm hosting a games day at my house from 10 o'clock in the morning through till we finish. Although the football's on at 7 o'clock, so I want to be done by 7 o'clock. And none of the videos are going to be sponsored. I've got about 10 or 11 people coming round. We're going to be splitting into two or three groups. I'm going to be upstairs. I'm going to be live streaming the games that I'm playing. 
but there's going to be other games going on in the house as well. So the games that I'm planning to play on Saturday are Heat, Pedal to the Metal in the morning, Starship Captains in the afternoon, and then Crossing Oceans late afternoon before the football starts. None of those videos are sponsored in any way, okay? So games that I'm really looking forward to. Heat, Pedal to the Metal is the, is the, the racing game based on Formula One from the 60s, I think. Uh, Starship Captains, the new game from the Czech Games Edition that I've had absolutely nothing to do with, but I'm very keen to try it. And then Crossing Oceans is the new version of Transatlantic. I absolutely hated Transatlantic. I've heard this new version is a lot better. So, Saturday. And again, the, none of these videos are sponsored. So, why am I live streaming? Because it's actually a lot of extra effort to live stream the games. I could just have a games day here and sit upstairs and play games with friends. I could. And that's quite easy to do. But... Again, because of the funding of the Patreon campaign, I want to give more content back to you. So uh, these are not going to be Patreon exclusive videos. Uh, anybody can watch these videos. They are going to be made public, um, but they are funded through Patreon. So yeah, big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters for giving me the ability to do that. That's this weekend. Next week, uh, what have I got next week? Well, I'm doing a, a solo game of Frostpunk on the 17th of December. And I say it's a solo game, Ben Filler's coming round to join me, but it's going to be a solo game. We are playing the solo game of Frostpunk using the solo player rules, but Ben's going to be joining me. Um, and that might seem a little bit weird because it's like, well, hang on a minute. If you've got two people, why don't you play the two player game? We want to play the solo version of the game. But the reason why we're playing it together is there's a lot going on in the game. And also, it's going to be a long video. So the fact that there's going to be two of us here means that I can disappear out and grab a sandwich while Ben carries on playing. And then he can disappear out and grab a sandwich while I carry on playing. So anyway, that's going to be on the 17th of December. And again, that's not a sponsored video either. In fact, Flamecraft, which is happening tomorrow, that's the last sponsored video that I'm doing for December. Um, everything else for the whole of December is not sponsored. And I think I've got one, two, three, four five, six, seven, I've got 10 more videos planned for December, none of which are sponsored. Um, anyway, right, so moving on, uh, yeah, Frostpunk on the 17th, and then I'm doing a, a day of solo gaming on the 23rd, so I'm doing Aleph Null in the morning, which is a small solo card game designed by Tony Boydell, been friends with Tony for a long time, Tony's been a Patreon supporter of mine since probably I started, I think, um, so I'm going to be covering that on the Friday morning, and then... My number one most anticipated solo game of all time, Hoplomarchus Victorum. I've had a copy of Hoplomarchus Victorum since Essen and I've not played it and it pains me. Every few days I look at it and I get the box out and I look at the rules and I, look, I touch the components and I'm thinking, oh, and this is, it's been really bothering me why I've not had time to cover this. I know why I've not had time to cover it, Frosthaven is the main reason. But finally, fr uh, Friday, 23rd of December, again, it, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the day off work effectively um, and I'm going to be doing a video on Hopla Marcus Victorum. Not sponsored and I'm going to be starting to play it. There's no way I'm going to finish the game and basically I'll be playing through it as much as I can until Vicky gets home. When Vicky gets home from her work's Christmas do, we are then packing up and we're going to her parents for a meal. So I'll be basically live streaming until Vicky gets home and then I'll finish the current battle and then I'll be done. Anyway, so I'm really looking forward to it. Hoplomarchus Victorum. I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not going to be let down and disappointed, 
But based on everything that I've heard about it and everything that I've seen about it from people like uh, Liz Davidson from Beyond Solitaire, uh, Jeremy Howard from Man vs. Meeple, Ricky Royal from Box of Delights, Mark Dainty from Not Board Gaming, and probably various other content creators as well. I just can't wait to play this game. And in my dream, when I go to bed at night and I dream of a, of a happier place, that happier place is me not doing any paid work whatsoever and sitting down and playing Hoplomarchus Marcus Victorum and Gloomhaven Digital and all of those things. I don't know what that notification was. Uh, you know, every every day of my life. It's never going to happen because I need I need to pay the bills. But anyway, Hoplomarchus Marcus Victorum, very excited about it. There are four other videos that I want to create between now and the end of the year. Uh, I want to do a Paul's Top 10 Games of 2021 video. I do this every year, uh, and I know I want to start doing it in the summer, but since the summer, lots of things have started to go wrong, and they're slowly getting better again now. But yeah, my Top 10 Games of 2021, I want to get that video done. That's probably going to take me about a day and a half to two days to write, film, edit, and everything else. I'll try and do it quicker if I can. I also want to do a the best games of 2022, which is currently being voted on by my patron supporters. So my patron supporters right now, if you're a producer level or higher, or I think I sent it out to supporter level or higher. Yeah, uh, you should have had an email. If you're a patron supporter of supporter level or higher, you should have had an email through allowing you to vote on what your best games were that you've played that came out in the year 2022. And I'm going to be doing a video talking about those. I also want to do the video um, where I go through my entire collection. That is planned and scheduled. Uh, I'm basically going to export my entire collection into Pub Meeple, and then I'm going to do a live stream where I sit there and rate my entire collection and go through it. It's, it's designed to be for fun. It might take place over two days. Uh, but I really want to get that done. It was a goal of the Patreon campaign last year if we reached 800 Patreon supporters, and we did. Um, and we've managed to maintain above 800 Patreon supporters. So yeah, definitely want to definitely want to do that this year. It's been hanging over me for about nine months. March is when I wanted to do it, um, and we're now in December, and I still haven't done it yet. So I'll be I'll be very happy when that's when that's done. Um, I said four videos, and that's three. Yeah, unfortunately. I'm not going to be able to do one of the fighting fantasy novels uh, this year just because, as I say, I've got all of these other videos that have been hanging over me that I really want to do, that I want to focus on them. Oh, I've also got the live Q&A. The live Q&A, this month's live Q&A, will take place between Christmas and New Year. Uh, so basically, it the downside is I wanted to take a break, a break between Christmas and New Year. And as it is, I'm not going to get much of a break. I'll have Christmas Day off. I'll have Boxing Day off. But I'm going to have to, I, I want to get these other videos done because I don't want to go into the new year not having done these videos. I will feel so much better if I've done the videos. And although I'm not going to have much downtime between Christmas and New Year, I'll feel much better once these videos are done. So yeah, I want to focus on those. Uh, and that's why I'm going to skip doing the Fighting Fantasy book uh, this, this Christmas. So apologies to that if you were looking forward to it. But it's because I want to try and catch up with all the other content. Right, what else have we got? Um, I think that might be about it. I'm just looking through my list. Top games of 21, best games of the collection. Yeah, I think that's about it. Um, I mentioned at the start, I've been doing some painting. So I, I had a bit of a thing with painting that I was really into it and I was doing loads and loads of painting. And then a couple of things happened 
uh, and something clicked in my brain and I just went off painting completely. And I had about four or six weeks um, <clears throat> where I just didn't feel confident painting. Anyway, I've started painting again, which is good. And I'm actually painting the miniature buildings from Frostpunk. So I'm gonna put some pictures on screen now. Uh, these are the miniatures that I've been painting. Some of these are not finished. Now, the reason why they're not finished is I've actually found a way of doing a snow effect uh, by mixing PVA glue with baking soda and white paint. Uh, and most of these haven't had that yet. In fact, this one that I'm gonna put on screen now, this one has had that snow effect had added. So you can see that in addition to the white dry brushing that I've done, it's also got this really nice sort of crystalline snow effect. And I wanna do this on all of them. And I've not got around to doing that yet. So at the moment, yeah, I'm doing quite a bit of painting. I'm probably spending about an hour and a half a day, maybe two hours a day, um, just, just in an evening, just taking a bit of time off and doing some painting. Uh, we're also watching the last season of The Walking Dead. We have two episodes left. We've been watching Walking Dead for 11 years. I'm a big fan of the graphic novels. I've read all of the, the entire uh, 193 issues, I think it was. I've read all of those. We've been watching the TV series. It's had its ups and its downs, but series 11, I've been really enjoying. I think season 11, the last the last eight, eight to 10 episodes have been really good. Uh, and we've got two episodes left. We're probably gonna finish watching that tonight. Other than that, there's one more thing I wanted to mention. Tony, one of my patron supporters, meant to bring me a gift at Essen, which was these. These are, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, the Belgian equivalent of Jaffa Cakes. So he sent me a pack of these. He sent me two packs through the post. Thank you very much, Tony, for sending me these. And here we have the original Mike Vitti's Jaffa Cakes. So what I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna take one of these, I'm gonna take one of these. Tony wanted to know which one tastes the best. So. They look different. Is it going to focus on them? The, the autofocus on this camera is, is terrible. As you can see, it's there you go. There's the Pims, there's the Jaffa cake. Yeah, anyway. So original Jaffa cake. Need a glass of milk to go with it. And now the Lou Pims. So, I can't taste the difference. <laughs> I'll need to do some more scientific research on this. What I can tell you is that the chocolate on these is a bit thicker and a bit crispier. I think Tony had already told me that. Yeah, the chocolate layer on this is definitely a bit thicker, but essentially they are exactly the same. They're the same wafer, they're the same orangey texture. So the Jaffa cake, the orangey bit is in the middle and you can see this bit around the outside. This is just pretty much chocolate. The orangey bit is in the middle. With the Lou Pims, the orange goes all the way to the outside. So you probably get a bit more orangey stuff on there. Anyway, there you go. Thank you very much, Tony, for these. Uh, they will be consumed gradually because they've been opened now. So they will be consumed gradually uh, over, over the Christmas period. Um, we're all done. That's it for the last video log of the year. And as I mentioned at the start, a big thank you to all of my patron supporters uh, for funding the channel and making videos like this possible. If you enjoy the content that I create and you want to support me and help me carry on making more videos, um, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. Your support is most appreciated. And yeah, that's everything. So have good holidays. Whatever you decide to do, whatever your religious beliefs or whatever you celebrate, um, 
you know, I hope you have a good holiday period, festive period or, or whatever. Um, and I will see the rest of you in the new year. Well, some of you I will see in some of the videos that I'm going to be doing for the rest of this month. But that's everything. Until next time, take care. Thanks for watching. Bye bye.